Hey, what's up, everybody? Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pablo's Purity Pants. One of the most embarrassing situations a charismatic believer can find themselves in is being slain in the spirit and the modesty cloth ministry is nowhere to be seen. We all want to receive from God without our knees causing fellow brothers or sisters in Christ to fall into lust. Introducing Pablo's Purity Pants. The purity pants are designed to sense a falling motion. When the patented movement meter is triggered, the waistband releases a built-in cloth that will fall straight down and drape comfortably over your exposed Pentecostal appendages. No more sensual stares from creepy congregants. Pablo's purity pants have got you covered. Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. What is up, worshipers? It's Worship Wednesday. And we're back on the podcast again. Hope you guys have been enjoying this week. Had a podcast come out Monday, and already there's controversy. It's important to speak the truth, the Bible says, in love. So that's what we're doing, and hope you guys have been enjoying it. Got a lot of people writing in, and I want to say thank you guys for doing that. It's always great to hear from you, and uh, I, I appreciate you keeping on doing that. Listen, if you want to write, if you want to suggest a podcast topic, which we've been getting a lot lately, you can send it to me, ted at miracleword.com, or you can send it on Instagram at at Ted Shuttlesworth or Twitter at T Shuttlesworth. Love to hear from you guys. It's Worship Wednesday. Good to have you back. We're We're finishing up here in King, North Carolina. It's been a wonderful meeting. Miracles have been taking place. People are being changed. Last night, man, a girl was supernaturally delivered from a spirit of anxiety and depression like I've never seen on somebody before. I mean, it was so wonderful. She was so outwardly showing this spirit. My wife and I even talked about it. I said, man, it was so wonderful to see her receive deliverance because my wife was even saying, as I I was just saying hi to her in the lobby and stuff, and you could just, even though people put a smile on and, you know, they they treat you very kindly, you can tell they're really battling with something. And so I was so happy to see the Holy Spirit touch her life and set her free. She was laughing and laughing and laughing at the altars. God set her free from that spirit. And uh, that's so wonderful to see the Holy Spirit at work. You cannot prescribe natural solutions to supernatural problems. You've got to have supernatural solutions to supernatural problems. And as you saw today on this Worship Wednesday podcast, I'm going to talk about a problem that I've seen a lot these days. It annoys me and maybe more me than other people because I travel and I go from church to church to church to church and I'm seeing a lot of different things and meeting a lot of different people. But I'm going to talk today about how to not lead suicidal worship. How to not lead suicidal worship. What in the world is that? Define it for me. I'll tell, I'll tell you very clearly and easily what it is. That when you're done leading praise and worship, 
everyone feels like committing suicide. It literally, you, you have done the opposite of what, of what is supposed to be done by leading praise and worship, which is to usher the joy of the Lord into the room, take us into the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of his people. I heard one preacher say this, praise is more powerful than prayer because God answers your prayer, but he lives in your praise. Literally, I've been in these services before where, and sadly, it's been way more than once where the praise and worship leader, I don't know what the deal is, man. We're going to talk about this today. What's the deal? What is going on with you praise and worship leaders? Uh, I'm baffled. I'm in these church services and I'm literally baffled. I'm like, how can, how can this be what's coming out of the spirit of a person who is serving the Lord, who's you know, supposedly filled with the Holy Ghost. How is this the product that's coming out of your spirit as you're leading, quote unquote, people into the presence of God? I don't get it. And so I'm going to talk about this today. I want to talk about some important things that need to be happening in your life as a worshiper, especially a worship leader. You need to have these things happening because here's the thing. If these things that I'm going to talk to you about today are not happening in your life, then let me just tell you something. You will, without a doubt, slide down into soulish performance instead of spiritual praise. You will end up in soulish performance instead of spiritual praise. And uh, I want to I want to address a few things. A few very important topics on this podcast episode today. So you're going to want to stay tuned for this one because I'm airing my grievances. I'm getting it out in the open. We're going to talk about it. That's what this is. This is my format. I will not shut up. You can't take me down. Can't turn me off. I guess you could if you wanted to, but I don't think you will. I'm going to talk about this because it's something in our generation that is in my opinion, which I feel is very valid. (laughs) In my opinion, it's destroying people's ability to receive from God. It just is. And I'm going to explain to you from the Bible why that's the case. I have a biblical case. This is not just my opinion. I've got a biblical case for what I'm saying. Let's start with that. What's the purpose of praise and worship? What is it supposed to do? Why is it there? Because obviously God has an order. We, you know, we don't do praise and worship at the beginning of the service because of tradition. That's what's always been done. And we don't do it to give people time to get to church because we know some people are running late. That's not why it's there. It's there because God has an order. He has a specific order. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. The Bible says this. Enter his courts with praise. So before you could, you know, this is giving you an example. In the Old Testament, they had the temple of God, which was divided into three uh, subsections. There was the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies, where only the priests could go. That's where the presence of God was dwelling, in the holy of holies, the most holy place. And only the high priest was allowed to go in. So there was the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. And God's prescription was come into his gates. So you enter into the outer court with thanksgiving. When you come in, 
you should have thanksgiving in your heart. Then into his courts. So into the inner court, you come in with praise. Praise is the very next thing. Thanksgiving, then praise. And the most holy place, which we would consider what worship, the deepest connection to the presence of God, that's last. And that is that is supposed to take place after praise and after thanksgiving. So these are God's prerequisites to get into his presence. So I want you to see this with me today, that God has an order. Thanksgiving, and then praise, and then worship. So I want, I want to say it to you in a way that maybe you've never heard before, but listen to this. It's very important. You are not qualified or ready to praise God until you've sufficiently thanked him. You're not qualified, nor are you ready to praise God unless you've sufficiently thanked him first. You are, by the way, not qualified to worship God until you've sufficiently praised him. This is, I'm going to, trust me, in a minute, I'm going to get into that because the, I don't know about other countries. I mean, I, I can't tell you, but in the United States of America and Canada, this is a huge problem and, and it needs to be talked about. Uh, and so we're going to get into it. So what's the purpose of praise and worship? Well, the Bible tells us, and I'm going to just do a quick run through. I wrote about this in my book, Unhang Your Harp, but I'm going to do a quick run, run through on this. By the way, if you miss the Unhang Your Harp Cyber Monday deal, I'm not sure, but it may still be up. I didn't check with the office to see if they took it down. So just between you and me, if you go on the website, shop.miracleword.com and check it out, unhang your harp, it might still be available for $5. I don't know why I'm talking lower. I'm the only one here. Anyway, what's the purpose? Well, I'll give you a quick run through of this. You can read it more in depth in the book. Okay. Jesus taught in Mark chapter four about the parable of the sower and the sower was sowing the word of God. Now let's just stop and say the word of God is the most important element in the world. There's nothing more powerful than the word and there's nothing more um, active. There's nothing that contains more uh, performance power than the word of God. It is God's element to bring you victory. John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is the word that carries more power than any other element in the universe. You've heard me say this before. Even the name of God doesn't carry the same power as the word of God because the psalmist wrote in Psalm 138 and verse 2 that God magnified his word above his name. So the word is the most powerful thing. Well, why is that? Because God is the word. John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God is the Word. That's why it's the most powerful force in the universe. God is His Word. But understand, there are some things that can stop God's Word from working in your life. That's why Jesus told the parable of the sower. The sower was sowing the Word on four types of ground. You've heard this parable before. There was good ground. There was stony ground, the footpath, and there was thorny ground. And I want to focus for a minute on thorny ground because it's one of the things I think that affects people probably more than any other. And the Bible says that when the word fell on thorny ground, you know what happened, don't you? The Bible says that thorns grew up and choked out the word, the seed, so that it could not produce. Later, when Jesus was explaining this principle to his disciples, he explained to them that the thorns were representative of 
of the cares of this world and the greediness for riches. The cares of this world and the greediness for riches. So understand that when cares, and and, you know, even the greediness for riches or how you're going to get enough to pay the bills or whatever you want, those things weigh on your shoulders. It's a weight. The Bible calls it a spirit of heaviness in Isaiah 61. The cares of this world, they make you sink. It's a weight. And they, what they do is when, when you're focused on the cares of this world, it causes you to have the word choked out. But what is the prescription for that heaviness in Isaiah 61? God said, I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So the key to lift that thorny ground out of your spirit and make you good ground is to properly praise God. And that's why we take the time before we get into the word to praise the Lord is because it is God's prescription from heaven to lift heaviness off of your shoulders and ensure that when the word goes forth in that service, that you will not only be good ground, but you will receive the word and produce fruit with the word you receive. So it praise essentially allows you to receive the seed of the word into your spirit and become supernaturally productive with that seed. So what it does is it allows you to take the most powerful force in the universe and put it into action and be set free by the truth that you know, John 8, 32. So trust me when I tell you praise and worship are not arbitrary. They, they're there on purpose, set there by God to prepare you for what he has from his word. So praise and worship leaders have a huge responsibility to do something that, in my opinion, puts people in position to receive miracles. And that's what the Bible's teaching you here, because the word comes to bring a change, a supernatural change. God's not looking to do natural, you know, use natural force to change you. He's a supernatural force. His word's a supernatural force. I know that because Jesus said about his own word in John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the words of Christ and the words of God, they're spiritual life-giving substance without question. So we have a responsibility as worship leaders, especially and worshipers to engage in praise and worship on a level that will put us in position to receive the word and to produce with the word and to receive miracles from heaven without question. You've got to have this working in your life. Now, the devil does his best to do what I said at the beginning, to take and turn spiritual praise into soulish performance. He does not want you accessing the presence of God whatsoever. He knows once you get into the presence of God, his days of destroying your life are over. So what does he do? Well, he can't stop God's presence. He can't shut down God's presence. But what he can do is put you out of position to receive God's presence. So what does he try to do? He tries to attack your joy and your praise and your worship by keeping you focused on the things of the natural realm. You can clearly see this happening um, in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus was finishing where he was, and he said to his disciples that they should go on ahead of him. Well, they got into a boat and went across, and they were going across the water when a storm hit. And, And the Bible says the storm was violent. They were afraid. 
And all of a sudden, they saw somebody coming on the water, walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. Now watch, Jesus just gave Peter a word. And that word empowered Peter to do the impossible. Swung his leg over the side of the boat, jumped out, started walking on the water. I know a lot of people give Peter a hard time. You know, he denied Christ and all these other things. He he slashed off Malchus' ear, you know, in the Garden of Eden, or Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, he gave him, a lot of people give Peter a hard time. But remember this for the rest of your life. Peter's the only one that walked on water other than Jesus. So he steps out onto the words of Christ and starts walking towards Jesus when all of a sudden the waves that are going, the wind that's blowing, the rain that's falling, start to take his attention away from the word. And notice what happens to Peter once he shifts his focus off the word and onto circumstances, he begins to sink. He begins to sink. So that's the key. If the devil can take you out of position to receive the word or stand on the word, he can can cause you to sink, sink, sink. You go lower, lower, lower. And that's not God's plan for your life. His plan for you is that you go higher, 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 steadily increase. And believe it or not, powerful praise and worship play a massive role in whether or not that happens in your life. And that's why the devil fights so hard against powerful praise and worship. I'm just telling you, I've been to these services. I I cannot get over it. You know, I've talked to many preachers and it's like, you know, people wonder, I wonder why the preacher comes in late. Half the time we're coming in late because I'm out of razor blades to slit my wrists after you're done singing. Literally, I, I if I could stand, listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If I could, without without offending people, If I could stand on the front row with over-ear Beats headphones on and listen to the music I choose from my iPhone versus what many of these places are singing, I would do it. I would do it. So I just do it in my car on the way to church and show up in time to take the microphone many times. Why? Because there are some places where the worship is so bad. And I'm not, listen to me, when I say bad, I am not talking about their level of skill playing their instruments or their ability to sing. Because if you've read my book on Hang Your Harp, you'll know that um, skill is not our number one goal as worshipers. It is a goal. I'm not devaluing skill or excellence or a spirit of excellence. Hear me when I say this is, no, this is no excuse for people to say, well, I don't need to practice. I don't need to be good. No, 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 no. Even, you know, the, the Bible says, David uh, said in the Psalms, play skillfully on a harp to the Lord. So skillful playing is necessary. You know, when King Saul was looking for somebody to bring deliverance to him or even just a little peace to his mind, he said, find me somebody that can play skillfully on the harp. And they immediately knew, well, we already know somebody like that. His name's David. I'm not telling you that skill is not important. I'm not telling you that excellence is not important. What I'm telling you is it's not the most important. The most important thing is that you be anointed. The most important, because let me tell you, I, I've been around, man. I've, I've traveled since I was two weeks old, full time. I've been in tens of thousands of church services. I've seen everything there is to see under the sun in these. I mean, it's like I've seen it. I've seen it all. I feel like I have anyway. I'm sure I haven't. 
But one thing I've seen is I've been in services where every person on the platform is a studio level musician paid. I'm talking phenomenal players. Every person on the platform is a studio level singer parts on point. Nobody's flat. Nobody's sharp. Nobody's timing is off. Even the phrasing is in unity. I mean, it's amazing. It sounds like a record. That's how good it sounds like a recording, but I didn't feel the anointing in church. There was not a strong anointing on what they were doing. But then on the other side, I've been in some country churches where I'm talking, you know, people aren't even hitting the right keys on the keyboard. Harmony parts are off. People are screeching. Some, I mean, you know, I've been in places where it was not pleasing to the ear necessarily, but there was a touch of God on what they were doing. There was an anointing on what they were doing. There was an anointing. And that shows you something very interesting, that the anointing of God does not wait until your harmony parts are perfect to manifest. The anointing of God does not wait until you've stopped hitting wrong notes on chords throughout the song for his anointing to manifest. No, he manifests on people who have sought after the anointing of God. It's people who are anointed. It's people who are anointed. I've heard two different people sing the same song. Maybe you've heard, you've had this happen too. I've had two different people sing the same song. And when I first heard the song, I was like, man, I don't like that at all. That doesn't sound good. I don't like this song. And then I heard somebody anointed sing the same song. I was like, man, I love this song. This song is awesome. Well, the only difference was the anointing. And the anointing makes all the difference in the world. So what I've found is it's people who are anointed. For example, you go to you could go to a dead, dry denominational church that could sing, you know, a hymn in some dead, dry fashion. Words are the same, melodies the same, chords are the same. Then you could go to an on-fire church where people are full of the Holy Ghost and they sing the same hymn, but the power of God is all over it. What's the difference? The anointing is the difference. And worshipers, worship leaders, those of you that are in the band, those of you that are singing on the platform, those of you that are in the sound booth, do you hear this? Those of you in the sound booth, those of you that are in the tech room, those of you that are doing lighting, you all need to be anointed and stay in the anointing. I'm not talking about, you know, people say, well, anytime you, whenever you get saved, you've got the anointing. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got the anointing. Well, yes, that is technically true. But the Bible says, you know, even David said in the Old Testament, Psalm 92 and verse 10, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Notice that in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. They got anointed. But notice after the persecution of chapter 3, they all got back together again in a house in chapter 4 and started praying that God would give them boldness and show himself mighty in their lives and ministries. And what happened? The house shook, and the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Do you know what that means? Is that you can not only be filled with the Spirit of God, you can be refilled with the Spirit of God. It means you can get a fresh touch from the Holy Ghost. You can get fresh bread from heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You can get fresh bread, a fresh touch, a fresh anointing. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift that lies within you, that came through the laying on of my hands. You can stir the gift that's in you back up again. And I don't feel like worshipers are doing this enough. They fall into the trap of routine. Well, here we go again, Wednesday night service. Here we go again, Sunday morning service. Here we go again, Thursday night practice. Here we go again, Wednesday night service. Same thing over and over and over. And they go through the motions. And as a result, they're just using their talents, their abilities, and they're just doing naturally instead of depending supernaturally on the spirit of God. That's why your plans, it's not bad to be prepared. It's not bad to be planned and organized. It's none of that's bad. The moment it gets bad is when those plans and those, those uh, preparations you've made, they trump the moving of the spirit or the leading of the Holy Ghost. You ask the guys that play with me, you ask Brad or any of the guys that have ever played with me, John, Tim, Bernard, anybody that's ever played with me, Daryl, they all know. I might make a song list and give it to everybody at the beginning of the service and say, here's the song set list that we're going to do. But about halfway through the first song, they all realize this is not the direction we're going to be going today. And that happened 90% of the time, not 10% of the time. Because I don't have any desire. Because understand this, without the Holy Ghost, I'm nothing. Without the power of the Holy Ghost, I got nothing. You know, I just don't, I don't have anything without the Holy Ghost. So, I need to depend on him for him, not to mention it's his service anyway. It's his church. It's his service. We're his people. So what am I going to do? Stick to something that I've planned and say, look, Lord, I know you're leading us in a different direction, but I don't know if you realize that, you know, I printed these set lists up on the church copier. And uh, if I change this now, what a waste of church resources that would have been. Think of all the ink we could have saved. Think of the printer paper that we could have saved. If you No, who cares? I mean, that's ridiculous. And people do, well, we've set, this is the set list we've prepared. And, you know, everybody, people need to learn to flow in the Holy Ghost. And to go where he leads them, when he leads them. And people need to be anointed with fresh oil, a fresh touch from heaven. And I'm going to tell you a few ways that you need to be doing that. If you're, if you're like, well, that, I'd, I'd love to be anointed with a fresh touch. How do, I, how do I do that? I'm going to give you a few ways as a worshiper. And it doesn't matter if you're the leader. Of course, if, you have a lead, if you're the leader, you're, you have the greatest responsibility to lead. But it doesn't matter if you're the music director or the leader or you're a frontline singer or a musician in the band. As I said, a sound man, a tech team person, or a lighting. It doesn't matter. They're all working together. But you all need to be anointed. Anointed. Here's a few ways. You'll never be anointed. And and, and let me say this specifically regarding worship leaders. You'll never be anointed if you don't fill yourself with the word of God can't be anointed without the word because God doesn't do anything outside of his word. I can't tell you how many times, (laughs) I'm just thinking back over my life. I can't tell you how many times that 
worship leaders try to go and, and give a small exhortation before they go into their next worship song, and there's nothing there to pull from. They've got nothing in their spirit. Nothing. Listen, let me just say something. And if you feel embarrassed when I say this, it's probably time for you to get into the word. If you are getting ready to exhort the the congregation before the next worship or praise song that you're getting ready to do, and all you do is just instead of singing, you say the lyrics (laughs) of the next song. Literally, there's a problem. Hallelujah. Lift your hands, everybody. How many know our God is greater? Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. Amen. Let's sing it today. Like if that's all you've got in your spirit is to just rehash the words of the song you're about to sing or the song you just sang, you know, you know know what I'm saying? Like get some word content. Get some word content in you so that you actually have something from the word of God to say to God's people. You see what I mean? And this happens, you know, or people will use goofy, like goofy life experiences. And these stories that's like, what in the world are you even talking about? I actually was in a service when a guy was like, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many know if you're a parent, amen, you come home at the end of the day, you've been working. I've got children and they run up to me. They they run up the stairs as I'm coming, as he's strumming his acoustic guitar. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to know all the wrong things they've done that day. And they jump into my arms and they don't know me just as daddy, but also as the tickle monster. And... How many know that my kids, when they run into my arms, I become their tickle monster once again. And God's calling every one of us today in this service. He's saying, I'm not just your father, but I want to be your tickle monster too. I want to cuddle you up and be your tickle monster. It's like, what in the world are you talking about, you mental patient? Get some word content. I felt like running on the platform with a straight jacket and hauling his behind off the platform. What are you talking about? That God wants to be your tickle monster. What in the world? What What is the chapter and verse uh, for that, by the way? I've, I've done many searches on BibleGateway.com in every... I even checked the message and the passion translation, and I couldn't find tickle monster anywhere. What in the world are you talking about? Use the word of God. Exhort people with the mighty word of God. It's the only thing that can change their life. The word. The word of God. And listen, it, you, you don't. the reason people don't have anything to pull from when it's time to get up and take a microphone is because people don't read the Bible. You need to have a Bible reading plan in place for your life. If you've listened to the podcast long enough, you'll know that I've given you a few suggestions that have made it very easy for you to read the Bible on a daily basis. Number one, one thing you could do if you'd like to read the New Testament every month, you can read nine chapters of the New Testament a day as you're reading through Matthew through Acts. And once you get into Romans to Revelation, switch to eight chapters a day. By doing that, you'll read the New Testament every month. And it only takes you... 
It takes you less time than it would take to watch one episode of a show on Netflix. And people binge watch Netflix and they don't read the Bible. And there's no wonder why people don't carry any power in the Holy Ghost. You've got no word content in you. And it's also a reason, by the way, that many praise and worship leaders don't have joy and breakthrough anointing on their worship. Because it is the word of God that puts joy into your spirit. That's scriptural. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, Jeremiah said, Lord, I found your words and I ate them and they became the joy and rejoicing of my soul. So Jeremiah understood that when the word of God is ingested into your spirit, it produces supernatural joy. And the reason many people are dragging through their worship services and dragging through their, you know, their praise is because they've got no joy on their own physical spirit, you know, on their own body, on their own soul, because they don't, they don't have any word content in them. If you're a worshiper, you've got to be, here's why, because the Bible says in the book of John, the gospel of John, it says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth is the word. If you're going to worship God, you've got to worship him in the word. That means that the word has to fill our worship songs. And if you didn't get a chance to go back and listen, I did a podcast entitled, Are We Singing Unscriptural Worship Songs? I don't even have time to get into that. You, If you haven't heard it, you need to go back and listen. Are We Singing Unscriptural Worship Songs? The ones that are topping the charts many times, they're not scriptural. How can God anoint something that doesn't, it's not found in scripture? You can't do it. But you've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Very important. Fill yourself with the word of God. Even if you only did three chapters of the New Testament a day, you could read the New Testament four times a year, once a quarter. Add on to that um, one proverb a day and five psalms a day. In fact, I very, very much recommend that worship leaders are in the book of Psalms every day. Read five psalms a day. You'll read the book of Psalms every month. Five a day. Just do five a day and one proverb. Add that in. Trust me, it will it will blow your mind how far you go just by doing that. Do it, I'm telling you. It will fill you with joy, strength, and power, and you'll have something to pull from when you're exhorting people to worship and praise the Lord. So number one, get word content in your spirit. Number two, pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't just pray. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues often. Paul said to the church in Corinth, He said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was trying to tell them to get in order in their church services, but he was saying outside of church services, I'm speaking in tongues all the time, way more than all of you are doing because Paul understood there's a mighty benefit and there's not just one, there's many benefits to speaking in tongues. I've written articles on this. If you've never seen it, 10 benefits of speaking in tongues. You need, to, you need to see some of these things. But one of the main benefits of speaking in tongues for those of us that are worshiping and praising is that the Bible says in, in Jude verse 20 that one of the things it does is it stirs up our most holy faith or builds up our most holy faith. 
I liken it to people that are stretching out and getting ready for sports. Nobody just runs a, you know, a track meet or plays in a basketball or football game without stretching first. You have the muscles, they're there, but you still have to warm them up and you still have to stretch them out. And that's what praying in the Holy Ghost does. It doesn't give you more faith, but it stretches out and builds up the faith that you already have. Praying in the Holy Ghost. It, 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 another thing that Paul said that it does in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Bible says anybody who speaks in tongues edifies or encourages himself. So did you know that speaking in tongues literally is a jolt of encouragement and edification to your own spirit, man? You don't need anybody else to encourage you. No one else has to build you up. Literally, it's a jolt of encouragement and edification to your own spirit, man. So not only is your faith built up when you pray in tongues, but your own spirit man is encouraged in the Lord when you speak in tongues. That's why you need to take time. Oh man, like literally, especially before you get up to do, you need to be praying. You need to be praying, praying, praying and asking God to use you in a mighty way to touch his people, to impact the kingdom. Ask God, tell him, tell him you know, let him know. I mean, he knows all things, but he wants to hear you say it. Let him know. God, I can't do anything without you. Without you, I'm nothing. Empower me once again to touch your people. Empower me once again to sing and to praise and to play and to lead people into your presence and into your glory. Lord, I pray that you'd be magnified when I praise today. I pray that you'd be magnified when I worship you today. Lord, don't allow me to make praise and worship about myself, my situation, my circumstance. Lord, let me always make it about your greatness, your power, your miracle working ability. Let me brag on you and your power and until your presence shows up and shakes this place today. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would allow me to be humble enough to understand that without you, I've got nothing, but with you, I can do all things. So today I ask you to take over interrupt my plans, institute your plans, and do something supernatural in this service today that will shake somebody's life forever, that will change somebody's physical body forever, that will destroy depression and anxiety and drive it out of people's spirit forever. Use my worship and my praise today to not only bring uh, honor and glory and majesty to your wonderful name, but also, Lord, use that praise to inhabit and to come in to where we are today and to change every heart by the power of God. Make us good ground to receive the word of God. Pray like that. Pray like that before your services. And then start praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Till you're so stirred up, you're ready to run around the church before church even starts. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up in the Holy Ghost. If I have to hear one more freaking praise and worship leader stand up and talk about how hard the week has been before they start their worship service, I'm going to throw something. I'm going to throw something at the platform. I told you in a previous podcast, I'm bringing a pellet gun to service with lead pellets. I'm just going to start shooting. I'm just going to start shooting everybody. Can't stand it. I can't take it anymore. That we have these opportunities to get into the presence of God. And people get up there with their little acoustic guitar. Oh, I'm a hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and get started tonight. Amen. Just everybody, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with it, just go ahead and lift your hands to the Lord. I know it's been a rough week for many of us. 
No, we've been dealing with a whole lot. Who cares? Who cares? Why is that even a point of discussion in your praise and worship service? No, we've been, no, it's hard. You know, life's not ever easy, guys. You need to understand. Who cares? Who cares about your opinion on life? And who cares about what anybody else has gone through? That's the whole reason we're in church, genius, is to get into the presence of God because he's got the power to change every situation. So instead of recounting how hard your week has been, and instead of recounting how hard everybody else's week has been, how about let's focus on the greatness of God's power and his ability and his majesty, dominion, and might, and the fact that he's in the room right now to turn every situation around by his supernatural power. Why don't we talk about that? I actually can remember a day when uh, praise and worship songs were about God and about his greatness and about his power. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. That's about God. That's about the blood. That's about what he's done through redemptive act to turn everything around for us, his children. Now we have stupid songs that are, you know, that talk about how unworthy we are. That's not even scriptural. Lord, we're so unworthy of your presence. So unworthy. Where did the cry voice come from? Why do praise and worship leaders employ the the cry voice? Why, what are we what are what kind of an atmosphere are we trying to build in our churches that we're employing the cry voice? So unworthy, God. So unworthy of your presence, Lord. Oh, we've failed you so many times, God. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Get into victory. Quit focusing on failure. Quit focusing on the past. Quit focusing on what seems to be hard. Quit focusing on the attacks of the enemy. The psalmist wrote, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Just to let us know, he was already magnifying the Lord, but he wanted the congregation or the assembly to magnify the Lord along with him. This will help you what I'm getting ready to tell you right now. Notice this, if you own a magnifying glass, you know as well as I do that the things you magnify do not change in size. If you've got coins or stamps or things that you collect that are small and you use a magnifying glass to look at them, you know as well as I do, when you magnify them, they don't change in size, it just changes your view of that thing. So when you magnify the Lord, you're not making him bigger. He's not getting larger because you're magnifying him. He's the same size he's always been. The only thing that changes is your view of him. Because when you magnify something, you can start to see the details of it that you could not see before. I can see the details of a coin or a stamp or whatever else I might be collecting that I could not see with the naked eye. But when I magnify it, my view of it becomes much bigger and I can see intricate details that I couldn't see before. And the same, why? Because what it really does is it's bringing it closer to your eye. 
in a sense, so that you can see what you couldn't see. And the same thing is true when you begin to praise God. He said, magnify the Lord with me. It's not making God bigger. It just makes your view of him bigger. It brings him closer into view because he inhabits the praises of his people. So it allows you to see him on a level you've never seen him before, which means that you get to see details of his power and his presence that you've not yet seen, which allows you to benefit from those details. That's why in the Old Testament, when they thought his name was just Jehovah, that he began to reveal, I'm too big of a God to only have one name. And so as he began to manifest his presence to his people, they started having to give him compound names because they saw he's bigger than just one thing. They said when he began to heal them and declare that uh, I will put none of these diseases upon you for I am the God that heals you they started to realize he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. When they were anxious and had depression and fear, he became their peace. And they said, he's Jehovah Shalom, the God of our peace. When Abraham was on top of the mountain getting ready to sacrifice Isaac and the angel stopped him from doing it and he looked over and saw a ram caught up in the thicket. Abraham said, I'm gonna call this place Jehovah Jireh because he's also a provider. Seven redemptive names of God, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom. You can go through them, but God's too big for one name because his nature's too intricate for one description. And when we praise him, it gives us a bigger view of his character, his nature, and his ability. And when we do, he can manifest his presence on our behalf and show us the benefits of his power and of his glory. And we need to get anointed and stop focusing on problems, stop focusing on the past, stop focusing on the issues of the day, and focus on the greatness and the power of the almighty God that we serve. Let me finish by, I've ranted long enough, I think I've ranted for 45 minutes. Let me, let me rant for a few more minutes on this one subject, and that is this, praise God more. I'll say it this way, don't just read the word, don't just pray in tongues and pray, but praise God more. Praise him at home. You can ask my wife, I'm I'm a very transparent person. When I'm at home, I'm doing the same thing. If we're not in a church service, we're watching church services. We're listening to church services. And I teach my kids from a young age, we're praisers. And we're not going to wait till we get into a church to praise God. We praise him at home. We'll put music on in hotel rooms, houses, or our house, and we'll dance before the Lord. He said, oh, you, you, you guys do that at home? I do it at home because I'm not going to be somebody in church that I'm not at home. This is who I am. This is not a hobby. This is not something that I put on when I get to church like a mask and take it off when I get home, cussing people out on the road that cut me off on the way home from church. This is who I am. It's my identity. I'm a praiser. I'm a worshiper. I praise God anywhere. I've praised him in the gym. I've I've praised him in the frozen food section of Walmart. I've praised him in the middle of a Best Buy with a Casio keyboard that was out for display. I've praised him everywhere. I'm not ashamed to praise God. He's done too much for us to stay quiet. So praise him often. Praise him often. Don't be a tourist in the presence of God, be a tour guide. 
A tour guide can take you somewhere you've never been and explain all the details of the place to you. A tourist is still looking for answers. And many praise and worship leaders are tourists in the presence of God because they've never been there. So as a result, they don't know how to even take people in because they don't even know where they're going. If you'll, if you'll discipline yourself to praise God when you're behind closed doors and get into his presence, go into the deep places of his presence when you're alone, you'll be able to take people places you've been yourself. But let me finish by saying this. People in America right now are not sufficiently praising God. They're not sufficiently praising God. There's t- we're too quick, okay? Let, just catch this. We are too quickly going into worship. And as I said at the beginning, no one is qualified to worship God until they've sufficiently praised him. You're just not. God has an order. I'll share a story with you before I close. Back when I was traveling from West Virginia to Virginia Beach, Virginia every week, to help my Uncle Terry uh, as he planted the Church Dominion Christian Center in Virginia Beach, I was leaving the Fairmont, West Virginia area and driving about six and a half, seven hours down to Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'd leave on Friday morning and go down for Friday night service, Saturday night service, Sunday morning, and I'd drive back to West Virginia on Sunday afternoon. And I was doing that every weekend for almost a year. And... Uh, on that drive, obviously I had plenty of time to myself. I wasn't married yet. I was going down alone and I just have CDs on in my car nonstop. Um, praise, worship, you know, and I'd be, I'm seven hours. I'm in the presence of God. I'm praying in tongues. I'm listening to praise. I'm getting pumped up in my spirit. And I made a mistake because I got in for a Friday night service and parked my car, came in, was ready to go with the band, went through a little rehearsal. And then for Friday night, I got into the service. It was time to start, 7 p.m. And I, I told everybody, let's lift our hands and let's start the service. And I started the service with a worship song. And I was going into this slow, intimate kind of worship. And that's how I began the service. And it wasn't long after I started that uh, obviously I, I I went into some praise after that and everything, but my my uncle who's my pastor Terry Shuttlesworth came out and whipped the service back up to where it was supposed to be, and after the service was over, he used that moment as a teaching and learning experience for me as a younger minister. I was only about probably twenty at the time, nineteen or twenty, and he used that as a teaching opportunity. And he taught, he told me this. He said, don't ever start a service in worship. He said, I understand why you did it. He said, because you were driving down here seven hours in the car. I'm sure you had praised God for much of the time you were in the vehicle and you'd already gotten yourself to a place where you were ready to worship the Lord. He said, but those people that came in tonight, they're not in that same place you're in right now. They just came from work. They hurried home. They got some dinner. They changed their clothes. They rushed to church. They've been working all week with he, you know, people at work that aren't even saved, giving them issues, whatever. They came into the church. They're not at that same place. And as the worship leader, you're required to lead people properly into the presence of God. 
And he used that experience to teach me that nobody is qualified to worship the Lord until they've properly praised him. And in our generation in the United States of America and Canada, I can't speak for other nations of the world, but I've spent much time in both of these nations. And I can tell you that we are too quick to try to run into worship when we have not sufficiently praised God. I mean, nowadays, people, I mean, many churches don't even want to do it any praise. You know, there's like maybe one mid-tempo song to start the service and it goes directly into worship. You know, and we've built this culture of 90 people on the platform and bare feet with dreadlocks trying to sway in, in, in some intimate moment of, you're not even ready. The people aren't ready. Praise God until he's sufficiently been praised for his goodness and then go into worship. And let me tell you, I don't even want to get into this. I mean, I do, but I don't know that we have the time. There's even a stage after worship where we go back into what's called in the Bible, high praise. That is a breakthrough level of praise. If you grew up in black church, you know what I'm talking about? Praise breaks. I'm talking about heavy duty breakthrough praise, victory praise. I'm talking about it's the equivalent of the end zone dance. It is victory praise when God's doing supernatural things. So in my opinion, and I think you can, as I clearly have, you can make a, a, a case from the word of God. It is a danger to try to too quickly go where you're not qualified to go and just jump into worship. We've got to become anointed and we have got to, got to praise God sufficiently. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of more than two minutes of praise. You know, he's worthy of more than that. He, you know, I, I can't even stand hearing people say, you know, let's give God the praise that he's due. You can't give God the praise that he's due. If you did, your hands would fall off from clapping. Your feet would fall off from dancing. Your voice would be gone from shouting. And you'd have no strength left in your body because he's worthy of eternal praise and glory. And no individual can give God the praise that he's due. You can give him the praise that that he's worthy of, but you can only praise him uh, to the degree that he's created you. There's no way you can give him all the praise that he's due, but you can praise him sufficiently. You can give him praise and you can give him worship, but it has to be done in God's order and in God's method. If you broke it down into today's modern day language, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, really what we could say is come into the parking lot with thanksgiving and come into the lobby with praise. That by the time literally praise and worship leaders, I will say this on behalf of praise and worship leaders, we shouldn't have to be supernatural cheerleaders. They're like begging the body of Christ to praise the Lord. It's sad to me. You know, when I go into churches and it's like every third phrase coming out of the worship leaders, clap your hands, stomp your feet, somebody give him praise, somebody shout, somebody run, somebody clap, clap those hands, sing it again. It's like, good Lord. What kind of dedication to the kingdom do the people in the congregation have i can't understand going to churches where people in the congregation just sit there and look at you like it's a like it's a performance like they're at a concert that's why we got to be anointed if you're anointed if you can engage people and pull them into the presence of god if you'll create an atmosphere of the presence and power of god things will be different in your church and that's our goal 
Our goal is to create an atmosphere where God's spirit and presence can move. And the only way we can do it is to obey his word and to do it in the order and the manner that he requires and commands in the word of God, thanksgiving, proper praise, and worship. And when we do that, things have to change. Things must turn around. It's impossible for God to show up and be honored and God to not do great things in our midst. Let me pray for you, those of you that are listening today after that 50-minute rant. I'm, I'm saying it to encourage you. Hopefully, you're laughing as you're listening to me rant, but you understand where I'm coming from because many of you are in these situations, and you need the anointing, and you need the joy of the Lord, and these things have to be in place so that we can receive a mighty impartation of the Word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person listening to the podcast today. I ask you, Lord, to give us a mighty desire to praise you and worship you like never before. Father, give us a desire for the anointing of your Spirit. Let us want to be anointed more than anything else. Revive us personally before you revive anybody else. Revive us And let us dedicate ourselves to your presence and your kingdom in the mighty name of Jesus. Increase our gifts and talents as we give them to you. We thank you for that and we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let me say at the end of this, Worship Wednesday, if you've not yet registered for Worship Summit 2019, go and do it today. It's coming up May the 7th through the 10th, 2019. All the details are at uh, southeastworship.com. That's southeastworship.com. It's taking place in sunny South Florida at Margate, Florida, which is outside of Fort Lauderdale, an abundant life church. You will not want to miss this year. 18 free sessions and two VIP sessions that will only cost you $99, and we include lunch with both of those sessions two days in a row. Um, So you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, So check it out. If you have any questions, send us a message. Let us know. I love you guys. Don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. Talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 